are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Sharkchild, and this is The Dark Verse, testament scrawled in hidden places and on nether things with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Here I am again, finally, once more, after, you know, my, uh several month hiatuses now that I've been having Um, but alas here I am again with another story uh, to share with you in the Darkverse collection but before I do I want to let you know that I am running a Kickstarter project this very moment for the Darkverse volume 3 hardcover book it will contain another 26 short stories uh, from the Darkverse and uh, these stories, of course, will be edited and uh, possibly revised and enhanced um, in the book format. Um, but please, if you would like to support me, I would be very, very appreciative if you could go to my Kickstarter project and uh, find one of the levels to back the project, find the one that's right for you. There's some cool stuff like, uh, you know, John will draw in your book or you know you can get a letter from me you can get a custom piece of art dark verse art from john there's there's several different levels um so hopefully you can find one that works uh, and you can support me just go to sharkchild.com and you you'll find the uh, kickstarter link right there just click that image and that'll take you to my page or you of course you can go to kickstarter.com and uh, type in Shark Child or the Dark Verse, and you will find the product page. So, thank you. With that said, here is episode 85 of the Dark Verse, and it is entitled A Random Game of Vitriolage. Who sings this? My grandmother asked as I placed needle on spinning vinyl, bringing to life an aura of music. A soothing and charming voice stirred the heart above a movement of catchy melodies and rhythmic bass. The way the voice careened from lyric to lyric brought the music to life in a story of one's own soul, striking relevance for all who listened. It's you, I replied. Me? she questioned. How could that be me? I don't even know how to sing. You not only know how to sing, you are, well, were, one of the greatest singers and lyricists of your time. My grandmother grumbled. That's ridiculous. Don't you think I would know if I'm a singer or not? She grumbled again. 
I'm serious, Grandma. That's really you. Why did you call me Grandma? She asked. I sighed and shook my head. Never mind, I said sorrowfully, in avoidance of a futile dispute of remembrance. Let's just listen to the music. My grandmother was the singer of an atmospheric jam group called The Air. At the time of their prime, they were not well known, but as decades came and went, the music found a sturdy foothold on the rungs of musical time. She was just shy of ninety years old, and her name was now more well known than any musician could ever wish for. I was so proud of her that I tried to rekindle those moments of her youth so she could claim the glory that now swelled amongst her name. But she would not remember. She did not remember many things. Alzheimer's was successfully and forcefully devouring my grandmother day by day. We listened to four songs without saying a word before my brother entered the unit of my grandmother's assisted living facility which contained a living area, a bedroom, and a bathroom. The light of the day had begun to fade, and my brother's entrance alerted me of it. I turned on a lamp next to the record player. "'Who's that?' our grandmother asked me of my brother as he sat next to me. My brother shook his head with a smirk as he heard her, and mumbled to himself, "'Oh, Grandma.' "'That's Curtin,' I said." Before Curtin had even fully made his way over to us, a young man in casual clothing and a caretaker entered the room using a key the caretaker had in his hand. The other man locked the door behind them. Can we help you? My brother asked the two men while standing up. Certainly, the foreboding caretaker said as he rammed his fist into my brother's stomach. Just as I was reacting, the young deviant did the same to me while I stood. Both my brother and I were incapacitated as our breaths lay out of reach. The foreboding custodian and the young deviant then went on to tie the hands and feet of my brother and I with rope, before leaning us against a wall perpendicular to the living room couch. Once we were secured, the young deviant allowed the caretaker, strangely, to do the same to him. His hands and feet were tied after he rested against the wall on the other side of me. Why are you doing this? I asked of the two insidious men. Just for fun, the caretaker said, and you can't talk yet. Before taking tape that he had in one of his hands and applying it to the mouths of my brother, the young man, and me. The oddness of the young deviant willingly joining my brother and I in restraints unsettled my stomach. While this happened, my grandmother shrieked in confusion. She gasped and uttered exclamations of discomfort from her chair. Please, Miss Dialia, why don't you come with me to your bed and take a nap? The caretaker said to my grandmother with deceiving calmness and comfort. What's going on? My grandmother responded. Don't you even worry about that, the caretaker said. Just come with me, take a nap, and forget all about it. The foreboding caretaker reached down and took hold of my grandmother's hand, aiding her to her walker before guiding her into her bedroom. I struggled within my restraints, as with my brother, fighting with all of my might to free myself and protect our grandmother. The caretaker re-emerged. 
As he took the minimal amount of steps towards us, I focused more closely on his appearance. A man in his mid-forties stood in control of this situation. His grain black thinned hair bounced upon his head wildly. Several creases lined his face on his cheeks and chin, scars from intrusive acne. I had seen this man before walking the hallways of the facility, always with a smile on his face and words of endearment to welcome. Now we wait, he said. After forty minutes of silence, the foreboding caretaker spoke. It has been long enough. He walked back into my grandmother's bedroom and, after a few minutes, came back with her under his direction. Please have a seat, Miss Dialia, he told her. Once she was in her sofa chair, she noticed the three of us against the wall. Why are these people here, she questioned. I was just about to tell you, Miss Dialia. Please get comfortable. I know you are still waking up, but I need your attention and help. These men have been found breaking into your home. Unfortunately, one of them is your grandson, who simply was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't know which one he is, and I would feel just horrible if I punished someone dear to you. Now, I'm going to let each one speak to you, but be warned. They will all tell you they are your grandson, so I need you to give your utmost focus in pointing out your true grandson to me. I don't recall having any grandchildren, my grandmother said. You do, Miss Dialia, I assure you that you do. The one that is your grandson will be quite clear to you once you hear them speak. I really don't have... My grandmother was cut short. Please, Miss Dialia, just let them speak, the caretaker said. He then proceeded to remove the tape from my brother's mouth. "'Grandma, don't listen to him,' Curtin sternly proclaimed. "'You have two grandsons, not one. "'I'm one of your grandsons, and Sav, who's right beside me, is one, too. "'Please, Grandma, you need to remember.' "'All right, that's enough,' the foreboding caretaker said "'before placing a new segment of tape over my brother's mouth. "'Now you,' he said to me, removing my tape. "'He's right, Grandma,' I said. "'We are both your grandsons. "'There are two of us. "'Curtin and I are your grandsons, remember? "'We were just listening to music, and I called you Grandma. "'And then Curtin—' "'The caretaker forcefully placed a new piece of tape over my mouth. "'That's it,' he said. "'Lastly, he removed the tape from the young deviant's mouth. "'He was in his mid-twenties and had nothing notable about his appearance. "'He wore a short-sleeve, button-up shirt with jeans. "'On his jeans was a patch consisting of a circle and a laughing face within it. "'I shook my body and bounced towards him, "'trying to assail the young invader with my head and bound hands, "'but the caretaker intervened, pushing me to the side. "'The young deviant scooted away from me "'so that he may get in his words without impediment. The young deviant spoke for the first time. You only have one grandson like the caretaker has told you, and it's me. I visit you almost every day and go with you to lunch. And isn't it a coincidence these two thieves are telling you they are brothers when they tried to rob this place together? You only have one grandson. I love you, Grandma. The caretaker ripped a piece of tape off of the roll and fastened it over the young deviant's mouth. All right now, Miss Dialia, please tell me who your grandson is so I can let them go, the foreboding caretaker then said. I, I really don't remember any grandchildren, my grandmother replied. 
You have to remember, the caretaker beseeched. You must tell me who your grandson is, or I will have to punish all three of them, your grandson included. And believe me, you don't want me to do what I'm going to do as punishment to your grandson. I can't just guess. Just take them out of here when you do whatever you're going to do. No, no, you are going to have to be a witness for this punishment. Only then will justice be served for the crime committed against you. I'd rather not, please, just let them go. I'd rather just be left alone right now. That's not the way of justice, the caretaker responded. Now I'm going to have to tell you what the punishment is and force you to pick because you will want to pick after you hear what the punishment is. The foreboding caretaker unclasped a flask of liquid hanging from the side of his belt. You want to guess what this is, Miss Dialia? I'm going to throw this liquid on the two of these three. He gestured to the three of us against the wall with his hand while smiling clownishly. That are not your grandson. I, I really... My grandmother started. It's acid, Miss Dialia, he said amusingly. Sulfuric acid. No, 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 no. Yes, Miss Dialia, yes. Please, just tell me who your grandson is so I can punish the other two. Then you can enjoy the rest of the evening with your grandson. I can't tell you who he is because I don't know. Then I'm just going to have to punish all of them, your grandson included. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't have a grandson. Please, she begged. Is that your final answer? My heart raced in anticipation of what was to come. No, 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 my grandmother exclaimed. Please, him, he's my grandson, she pointed to the young deviant, making a decision out of desperation and not out of truth, for truth no longer lived within her. I writhed within my bindings. Very well, the foreboding caretaker said before releasing the liquid upon my brother and I. I felt the burn in my left eye first, but this was not the burn of flame. This was the burn of separation and annihilation. It was the burn of forever disruption and disposal. It was transformation. It was disfigurement. It was the pain of all accumulated agony. In my eye I felt it first, but not last. The searing destruction worked its way along the left side of my face, my neck, my right hand and forearm, and my chest. The pain seethed and wrecked. My brother and I screamed beneath our restraints. We screamed a muffled trumpet of misery. We trembled and lashed in every direction trying to escape what was now inescapable. Death became a wish, and revenge became religion. There could not be greater anger or greater rage for such vicious, monstrous, and random games of perverse cruelty. Through flashing memories, I searched through time. I searched for the world my grandmother had laid out before me, a world of authority coded within the lyrics of her music. She had forgotten this world. I had not. Sacrifice I am, burning under flame, slave now to become, stripped of precious name, to carry forth the fearsome will with what is left inside, release me from my fragile form and let power reside. A baby cried from atop an altar. A mountain that at its tip became a pillar that extended up to an end that became the altar. The baby cried, and then it shrieked. 
It shrieked, and then it gagged. All that was within this child then sprung forth as a vomit of liquid, internal self, bone, organ, tissue. It lapped out of the baby's mouth and covered its body until the baby had not life to continue its expunging. This mortiferous mixture of unsettling semblance then encased itself around the exasperated form of the infant, tightening like a python around victim. When the form of the child again was crisp, life once more poured from its orifices. It was not a cry or shriek that this time resounded. It was an oscillating, bowel-tapping siren of doom. Again the child exhausted its vocals. Again the child withdrew its innards, now a stream of fluid flesh. And after this fountain of innocent filth had run dry, the baby looked with new eyes straight into the heavens above it, straight into my existence. The pain's demonic flare careened into new feeling. It refracted like light into different colors, sensations before unknown. Within this array of newfound inner currents, I found myself reborn. The tape covering my mouth and the rope constricting my hands and feet melted into me. I beckoned them to become part of my essence, and so, by spirit, consumed their mass. The air... I thought to myself, recalling my grandmother's band's name, the air. I stood with strength and assaulted the foreboding caretaker. I leapt upon him, wrapping my arms around him and bringing him to the floor. And so again I beckoned matter. I beckoned his life into mine so that I might crush and nullify it. I squeezed his form and pushed him within myself as if nothing but air bridged between the elements of his body, obliterating his every facet of existence, tangible and intangible. It was then the young deviant that convulsed with terror and the longing of escape. I did not care to absorb his essence. I simply took what was left of the acid and poured it atop his head. This game was through. That concludes episode 85 of The Dark Verse. You can download and listen to all of the past episodes on iTunes or at thedarkverse.com. Once again, if you want to support me with my Kickstarter campaign, go to sharkchild.com and click uh, the Kickstarter image I have there or go to Kickstarter and simply search for Sharkchild or the dark verse thank you and uh hopefully i'll see you uh sooner than a couple months from now all right adios all stories on the dark verse are the sole property of shark child and cannot be used for distribution publication or monetary gain without my written consent sleep deeply and remember to love (laughs) 